Welcome to the Get to Vet podcast, where we bridge the knowledge gaps in the military transition process so you can focus on what's ahead. Hey there, Get to Vet. Trevor Maxwell back after uh, I just polished off all my turkey today from Thanksgiving. And with me, as always, is my partner in podcasting. Back from the Deep South, or not what some people call Deep South, but Florida, nonetheless, and uh, went on the uh, adventure of a not-so-much-lifetime and got a uh, Hyundai Palisade for my wife yesterday, had to fly to Pittsburgh due to market scarcity. So, uh, sign of the times when you are actually flying around the United States to try to find your wife a Hyundai. So, never thought I'd buy a Hyundai let alone fly one way to go buy one and drive it seven hours back. But she's happy. It is a nice vehicle and things are looking good, but yeah, good to be back. Good to be, uh, you know, good to be back here in Virginia and great to talk to Sean today. So yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. And you look so much less stressed than you did the last time we chatted. So yes, I am. Ironed out our transition issues. Yep. Yep. We got the, uh, Oh, Hey, it's November 30th. And, the Navy is potentially going to pay me again tomorrow and the VA could pay me for the first time tomorrow as well. So oh, heck yeah. things are, things are looking up for the bank account. A uh, couple of job offers potentially coming up and uh, yeah, things are looking good for my side of the transition. And WVU is going to a bowl game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and potentially ODU. So who saw that coming after oh, one geez. and six? Yeah. Ooh. I don't know. Who, I don't know who's going to invite them, but uh, I'm probably not going to that game. Yeah. Well, <laughs> enough about us. Uh, I want to move on to our guest today. So this is a, a topic that, you know, I'm surprised we haven't talked about yet. Um, project management, because I know that's that's a really popular one. I talked to a lot of people who are getting out who, you know, instead of like going for an advanced degree or whatever, they go out for these certifications, which I love because I think a lot of people know my, my stance on a lot of the quote unquote higher education that's out there as compared to you know, things with real world applications. So I want to bring in, uh, I'll let him introduce himself today. It's uh, Sean, is it Berthoff or Berthoff? Berthoff. Berthoff. Okay. <laughs> so Sean Berthoff, I'll let him go ahead and, and talk about himself a little bit. Thanks for coming on, Sean. Okay. Thanks for having me. I had a really uh, awesome time to uh, help out in any way I can. Um, so yeah, actually, I uh, guess a little bit about me. I'm originally a small town farm boy from Northeast Iowa. Um, I uh, found that in high school that I, you know, um, didn't really, was kind of looking around my junior year and, and looking around my family and my friends and everything. And I'm like, just realized I'm like, there is no opportunity for me here in Iowa. Um, and I was not the most stellar student, uh, I, I will admit, right? I uh, uh, basically took every possible, um, kind of a weird mix, I took every possible art uh, advanced placement course that I could, and uh, every math advanced placement course that I could take, and everything else, I pretty much just did enough to make it by. <laughs> um, and I knew that uh, basically, you know, the only way for me to get out of there, I was like, I need to, I, I can't go to college because if I go to college, I'm just going to not put in the work. I'm not going to do a good job and I'm going to waste a bunch of money. 
and there was no opportunity around me. So I wanted to see the world. I wanted to travel. I wanted to get paid while I was doing it. So perfect me being naive and, and knowing about as much about the military as I did at the time, I um, decided to join the Navy because so I'm like, well, you know, they have planes, they have aircraft, or I'm sorry, they have planes, they have ships, they have special forces. So I can just get in there and figure out what I want to do and just transition around wherever I need to be. Yeah, that was dumb. <laughs> but uh, I get in there and, you know, as actually once I got in there, I'm like, okay, well, this is my job now. So I'm going to actually take school seriously. Um, so I did. I actually ended up uh, being the honor graduate for my um, A school, operations specialist class A school. And as a result, I always had this dream uh, of going to Hawaii. So I got first pick of orders. I chose uh, USS Lake Erie, an Aegis cruiser uh, out of Hawaii uh, for my orders. And I went there and, you know, basically spent the first six months, uh, you know, actually, it's kind of interesting. I went on uh, the first you know, week I got there, I went on board and I'm like, uh, they walked me through Comet Information Center. And we're showing me, you know, everything around. And we got to um, basically a air alley, right, where it was the tracksuit position, uh, where basically this kid that was sitting there with 180 degrees of screens all around it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the smartest person I've ever met in my life. I want to be that guy, right? So I did, I was like, well, how do I get qualified to sit this position? And they're like, okay, well, you gotta, you gotta pay your dues. You gotta, you know, get qualified on all the surface stuff and work your way over to, you know, do that job. So, okay. So I quickly went through, did everything I had to, to get my surface qualifications out of the way. And we went on deployment and I, I there's a reason I'm telling this story, I guess I'll get to it real quick. Um, we get to deployment and I basically I'm like um, the they put me as the surface supervisor in charge of a team of the youngest, uh, most inexperienced team uh, on deployment. Right. So I was like, OK, that's fine. Um, we're going through the Straits of Hormuz, um, you know, a pucker factor of one hundred and twelve, you know, um, and traffic coming at us every, every which way, you know, a concern about incoming threats and, you know, uh, all um, small boats coming in to do night, nice little things to us. Right. So I'm actually going through, I'm trying to train my team at the same time while I'm trying to do my job. There was actually an electronics technician that we had up there who actually had the council, the entire thing the guts ripped out of it and was trying to fix it because it was broken so i'm down a man i got like a whole junior team i'm literally running around trying to train them all at the same time that i have a maneuvering board on my arm and calling mark <laughs> to my uh spot 25 golf operator doing about three or four avoiding courses at one time on my arm literally as i'm trying to help my entire team well uh, it just so happened that um, the surface watch officer had just come up on uh, to turn over for his, his watch. And it was a junior officer who had just got on board. He had been 
Naval Academy grad, you know, Ivy League, um, super smart, super intelligent. Uh, but he also had kind of an ego uh, that came with it, uh, that he was better than me. And so I'm doing my job and he basically calls, hey, surface soup. I, I'm run over there with the snowboard on my arm as I'm doing stuff and like, yes, sir, what can I do for you? He's like, well, I need a pen. And I said, excuse me, sir. Um, he said, I need a pen. I'm like, sir, that's great. I, I understand you need a pen and I'd be happy to get you one. Uh, let me just finish what I'm doing over here. You can see I'm actually kind of busy right now and trying to provide avoiding course up to the bridge. Uh, I'd be happy to you know, get that for you as soon as I'm done and I'll get back with you. And I go about my business. He calls out again, surface soup. I go over to him and I say, yes, sir, what can I do for you? I asked you to get me a pen. You need to get me a pen. He said, well, sir, you understand I, I'm actually pretty busy here right now. I, I just don't have time to get you a pen. I'm sorry, I have more urgent pressing things that need to be accomplished. Uh, and I went about my business, surface soup. <laughs> I basically am ignoring him at this point. I'm just like, you know what, whatever. Three, four more times, he finally basically stops and he's like, okay, watch soup, right? He calls out, watch soup. I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm getting in trouble. So my buddy uh, at the time, uh, OS2, uh, Johnny Cerna, <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to use his names, but I don't think he'll care. Um, he actually comes over there. He was actually a former, uh, he had former army guy who transitions the Navy. So he's very hardcore and I love the guy to death. He comes over there and he's, yes, sir. What can I do for you, sir? Um, I asked the surface soup for a pen and he didn't get me a pen. Uh, I need you to uh, get, you know, get me a pen. Roger that, sir. I'll take care of it. No problem. And he turns around and he basically yells in his loudest, deepest army voice that he possibly could just belts it out through combat so everyone in the entire place can hear it. Watchdog, log it. Uh, surface watch officer came up unprepared for his watch and is uh, bothering the surface supervisor for a pen. And the tactical action officer uh, department head basically turns around and gives this junior officer a look of like, oh, you are in so much trouble. You have no idea what you're in for, right? Uh, it was such a satisfying thing for me to be like, okay, you know, this, this guy who obviously has some pretty substantial credentials coming from an Ivy League school, uh, who had an ego to go with it and was giving me a hard time, basically just got put in his place. He never bothered me again after that day. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was one of those occasions where I thought to myself, I'm like, you know what, the only difference between me, the, me and this guy and our ability to do our job effectively is a piece of paper, a check in the box. Um, so from that day forward, I basically made it a, a firm commitment of mine. Like, I don't care what it takes from this day forward, I'm going to college and I'm getting my degree before I get out. And so that's what I did. Um, I spent, you know, the next seven years basically trying to get my degree, um, multiple challenges along the way, but I got it uh, actually a bachelor's in psychology, even though that's not what I started off as. 
that's what I ended up as based on some things I won't go into not relevant to this, but um, it was a check in the box and it actually gave me the opportunity, you know, to get in the door of some employers once I transitioned up. Um, so um, I can tell you that, uh, you know, going through the transition assistance program, you know, TAPS class, um, you know, I, I forget, I think it was like a three-day uh, class that they send you through and, you know, they give you some resources and things to look at. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, I actually took a lot of detailed notes and I actually like try to follow up on what they provided and actually look into the things that they, the resources they gave. And I'm like, okay, there was a few things that I found value in, but I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, this doesn't do anything for me. Right. Uh, and being completely overwhelmed, like, oh my God, what am I getting myself into? I originally wanted to do 20 years and retire in the military. I loved it. I loved what I did, uh, but I made the mistake of getting, well, made the mistake of getting married and she decided for us that we didn't like the military lifestyle anymore. <laughs> so I gave it all up to uh, move back to um, be closer to her family and, and, you know, start a job and a family and well, um, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no, I, you know, I, I guess mine didn't really, I, for me, I just kind of had that same, I waited, you know, I was like 35, I think when I got married. So, yeah, you know, by then I was like, all right, I'm done with all this, this shit. I'm ready to retire. So, oh, yeah. sorry. Go, no, go ahead. Well, I was, I was just going to, to add something in there. I was thinking like how that story would have gone with the officer had I been there because I would have, probably went and grabbed a pen from somebody ass cracked it and then handed it off to him and, and said, there you go, sir. But, uh, Stirred his coffee. Yeah. Different, different way of, uh, yeah. <laughs> just waited for him to start chewing on the end of it and been like, what the hell is wrong with this pen? So well, I hope you, know, you like I, hepatitis, sir. To this very day, I, I like, absolutely. I tell that story over and over again to my, and I like tag my buddy, you know, Johnny Serena. I'm like, uh, I'm like, I will love you forever for that one moment. It will stay with me forever. <laughs> it brings up a, a, a story of mine because I can remember we got to pick our C schools based on how we ended up in our class standing. And at that time, when I was going through ET school, it was running 24 seven. We had uh, a morning, an evening and a midnight uh, classes were going. And I think we had... It's like 48 or 45 or something like that. I ended up finishing third. And so they had this long, they had us all in this big room and they had a whole list of orders and we got to pick an order. And I was number three. And the first two they picked, uh, they wanted NAS Lamore and another NAS, I think has been closed also by now. And they had like a one week IFF course that they were going to go to. Okay. And the great thing about ET school is, you know, everybody gets to, you know, we all mess cranked, or at least I did mess cranked at boot camp. But then when we went to ET school, we were kind of stacked like cordwood outside the, the, the A school, just waiting to class up. So we got to go mess crank again. And I absolutely hate, hate mess cranking. So <laughs> when we finished, we had part of our A school was in Orlando. And then when we finished basic electricity electronics and we go to Great Lakes for the advanced section, 
So you go up to Great Lakes. Well, guess what? You're stacked there again. Guess what we get to do? We get to mess crank again. So I'm I'm there at the, you know, the, so I had about two months of mess cranking by the time I was finished at A school. So I was like, man, there is no way in hell I'm going to go mess cranking again. So when those orders came out and I was looking at that list and those guys had picked IFF and there was another IFF and they're going to NAS. And I'd looked on there. I'm like, Hey, Hey, this satellite communications thing, it says type three and type six. Is that, are those ships or, or not? And they're like, no, dude, those are like 40 foot antennas. They can't fit those on ships. I'm like, done. I'll take that one. Cause I don't want to go to a ship and mess crank ever again. And the funny thing is I had, I had a couple guys, well, I had a platoon, they had some issues on a carrier when I was a CMC and we had to go talk to the Admiral about some, about leaving a, a training aid on the pier that got called into an ATF, ATFP solution and evacuated the piers and everything on Norfolk, by the way, it was great. It was a great day. Mm-hmm. I think it went all the way up. To I remember Wars. that. It was yeah. a great, great It was day. on the news. It was on the news. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was our guys. So we had to go down to the pier and uh, take, take our, uh, take our medicine from the uh, strike group admiral and we're going, we're going up to the carrier and I'm, and I'm literally like thinking they're going to call my name over the one MC and tell me report to the Mestex. I just know they are. Now I had, by that time I'd done two deployments to Iraq and two Afghanistan. And this was the one thing I'm like, no way. I I swear to God, if they call me, I'm going to jump overboard. I'm not (laughs) going down there and crank. I'm not, I'm not peeling potatoes. There's, I still tell my wife the story. She's like, she's probably heard a hundred times, but I peeled one ton of sweet potatoes. Well, I didn't peel them. I had to like chop one ton of sweet potatoes one day. And it was like two pallets full of those stupid things. And my hands hurt so bad. I grew up on a, you know, we had a farm. We had bale hay all summer long, you know, picking those up and throwing them around and all that stuff. My hands Never hurt so bad in my life from that day of chopping those freaking one ton of sweet potatoes in that freaking mess crank and then working in a slop house and taking everybody's trash to go give to the pig farmers in Orlando and then up in Chicago. What a, I hate that. I hate, I hate mess cranking, but <laughs> your, your story of picking orders reminded me of that for me. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah. That's, I was like, I was just waiting for you to be like, get to your ship and they're like, Oh, guess what? You have to go mess crank for six months. <laughs> Never again. Never. And I'd rather go back to, I'd go back to Iraq and Afghanistan any day over going on and working in the, in the galley. Heck with that. Lucky, lucky for you. <laughs> See, I never had to do that, but uh, I always liked, I didn't mind volunteering for those. Like I was on the enterprise, which, you know, is, is pretty good size, but I, they'd have those 300 man working parties. I volunteered for them because I got out of my shop. <laughs> People try to get me to do something. Sorry, man. I got to do this working party. <laughs> I'll, I'll go past down Coke's down a, a ladder. Well, for a few hours just to get away. But, uh, well, I yeah. paid my dues. I put in the mess cranking. I put in the, you know, working parties. I put in the tiger teams, basically in a harness, literally strapped off the edge of the ship uh chipping and painting like grinding the side of the ship so yeah <laughs> i did that i actually like that i i volunteered for tiger teams too i did the tile team and then we did the island paint team which on a carrier in dry dock you're pretty high up there and yeah. i remember being on the the lift we were painting like towards the top of the tower on the outside of it 
So uh, this thing's like at an angle and the dude happened to look down and see like 200 feet below him and he just froze. He's like, holy shit. I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, I can't move. And so I'm trying to figure out how to drive this thing, banging it into the island. And I thought that dude was going to like <laughs> just have a heart attack. I finally got us back down. <laughs> the other thing I, I got I got to tell you about too is uh, don't beat yourself up over the uh, the time to complete your undergrad because I enlist. So I graduated high school in 1990, enlisted after a year of not so stellar um, major in criminal justice trying to find my way out of leaving West Virginia. And I managed to complete my undergrad in uh, March, April of 2003. So yeah, I was on kind of on the, you know, if anybody's ever seen the movie, Tommy boy, you know, when he talks about that, those, those are, those are called doctors. There's no doctor in front of my name. I do have a PhD. It's a public high school diploma, but that's close as I'm going to get to doctor most likely. Well, I got the good enough diploma, so <laughs> I think it only took me six years to finish my bachelor's, but no, my sister, she's a, a prosthodontist. She just finished school this year, like at age 30. She was, she was in school for 26 years straight. Oh my God. She's probably got the strongest work ethic of anybody I've ever met in my life, but Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I got a 26 years straight of school. So amazing. You know, I, I actually, in order to actually get my degree, right. One of the, I was going to Navy college and trying to figure out, I was taking every class I could. And one of the classes I ended up taking, I actually took like a full term cause we weren't supposed to be doing anything, but it just so happened that things changed the schedule and we ended up over in the yards. So we had to put in a full work day in the yards and then, uh, on top of it, they ended up scheduling all these link exercises during the same time. So I ended up, I had a full, you know, I had like four 10 week accelerated courses that I was participating in plus a full-time job. I was like basically up until, you know, I'd work in a full day, have enough time to take a quick shower, get something to eat, get over to Navy college, go to my classes until like, uh, 10, come home, get enough studying in and homework done and I had to be up at five because I had to be actually it was 4 30 because I had to be in for a um they were we were doing a pace course uh uh instructor actually came on board the ship uh we were doing a pace course so it was um uh calculus at five in the morning absolutely do <laughs> not recommend doing calculus at five in the morning don't do it <laughs> I you had me at don't do it so yeah <laughs> uh, uh you know uh, and honestly I, I guess you know kind of lesson learned there is like hey stick it out do what you need to do get that check in the box and honestly it, it doesn't matter what your degree is just get it because it really doesn't matter in the outside and you know what your gpa doesn't matter either i can tell you from experience i had a i graduated uh magna cum laude you know all that stuff and i was like but you know what Unless you're summa or magna cum laude, none of it matters, right? So don't don't put it on your don't put your GPA on your resume. I see it all the time. I'm like, tell people, you know what? I don't really give a damn about your your what your GPA was. One of my one of my favorite pictures of all time is um, 
actually, I was planning, we're, we're, this won't come out until next week, so I can talk about it because it's my planned LinkedIn post for tomorrow, is uh, a Ferrari with a license plate that says 2.7 GPA on it. So <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the thing is, like, it's kind of sad. I, I talk about this a lot when I'm working with, with clients because, like, you know, the cost of, uh, of an education, of a higher education for your kids has outplaced inflation by almost 300% over the last 20 years. However, the value of, of what that degree provides is, is kind of declined because it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if everybody's special, then nobody is type right. of deal, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's kind of become the new thing where, you know, we had this, this generation where everybody said, oh, you have to go to college or you're a loser, right? It's not the case. Um, and unfortunately, now we got a lot of, we have millions of people with trillions of dollars in student debt for degrees that they don't use. So, I mean, I like college, but I also think that if you're, I'm not, I shouldn't say I'm completely against it because I'm not. I think it's it's definitely worthwhile if you do it right. The problem is a lot of people, you know, they're like, well, you know, I want to go get a degree and, you know, interpretive bullshit. And, you know, and then they get mad because they're like, well, I just took on $80,000 in loans to get this degree. And, and now I'm not making enough. <laughs> it's like, yeah. meanwhile, there's, there's some, you know, 22 year old with a, a welding certification who's making $120,000 a year. Like, you know, who's the sucker now? So, right. But this brings me up to another point, right? Because like we said, the, the topic of this conversation um, that, that we wanted to have with you today, project management, right? Because that is a very popular certification for a lot of transitioning military to get. And I wanted to talk about, that's great. Yeah, the certification is awesome. But what's it like to work in that in that arena? Okay, so I'll tell you. Um... I guess just to note is uh, from my experience, the only thing that a college degree proves to me as a hiring manager is that you can start, you can start something and you can complete it. That's it. Doesn't tell me how effectively you can do your job. Um, but I can, I got a degree, so it gave me a foot in the door to get into interviews and stuff like that. Uh, because a lot of jobs do require a bachelor's degree as a minimum requirement to even get your foot in the door. Um, so I got into several interviews with um, uh, several different companies. I actually um, had a few offers and it was interesting. I actually ended up having a, I, my, my ideal goal was to get into link testing when I got out because that was really my forte. That was my uh, expertise when I was in the Navy. And, you know, they were throwing me business card saying, Hey, come work for us when you're done. Uh, I, I basically started, you know, interviewing and uh, I was kind of shocked when, you know, some of this, uh, you know, link testing stuff wasn't really panning out quite the way I was hoping for. And I interviewed for a couple of positions. I was like, well, this isn't really a good fit, but let me just go and see what it's about. And, you know, maybe you never know. Right. Uh, so I went to uh, interview for a training position. And uh, the main reason that they brought me in to interview me was for my Aegis weapon system background and expertise, right? I was actually one of the subject matter experts on my ship for Aegis weapon system. And 
so the hiring manager who the first guy that I interviewed with, he was actually a former Marine helicopter pilot. And uh, I interview went swimmingly. I, I was just, I was super confident. A conversation went well. And it was like, well, this is probably a done deal, right? If uh, we just close the door now. But he said, well, I want you to go next door. I'm trying to add a little rigor into our training program. Uh, so I'd like you to go next door and speak with um, this doctor of education uh, who I just hired. Uh, he's, you know, he reports to me. He'll ultimately be your boss, if, assuming you get this job. I want you to go interview with him. I said, okay. And I'm a little intimidated because I'm like doctor of education. Uh, he told me that this guy had, you know, basically a tenured professor in college and 30 years basically running the training program for a nuclear training facility in New Jersey. So I'm like, wow, this guy's got a lot of credentials. I'm like, I don't have a formal education background or degree. Uh, all I, I did training in the military. I was, you know, in several fashions or facets, but uh, nothing formal. So I go into the interview and, you know, I sit down with them and he starts asking me about, well, tell me what you think, or tell me what you know, or what you think about Gagne's theory. And what about Fitzpatrick's levels of education? And, you know, uh, some of this like theory stuff that I'm like, whoa, hold on. I'm like, <laughs> I, I was just completely straight and honest with him. I'm like, you know what? I, I got to be honest with you. I don't have a formal education background. I have no idea what you're talking about. That being said, uh, could you give me a little explanation, like a synopsis as to what, what this theory or what this guy is saying? And he would kind of give me a brief explanation of it. And I'd say, you know what, actually, based on, you know, the educational psychology studies that I did to get my degree and, you know, what I did in the military, here's how that sounds like what I've what I've learned and what I've actually demonstrated my ability to do that in this fashion and how I can apply it to this job. And at the end of that hour, I remember walking away thinking to myself, I'm like, there is no way in hell they should ever hire me for this job. They would be stupid to hire me for this job because I am so unqualified for it. Well, turns out a month later and Oh, by the way, for anybody transitioning, you know, if you're like, oh, what's going on? You're be patient, especially with large companies, because the process sometimes doesn't move very fast. <laughs> One uh, six weeks later, actually, I uh, happened to get an offer letter in the in the mail. I had already accepted a different job, and this thing comes, and I remember thinking to myself, I rip it open, and I'm like, training position, <laughs> like. Why the hell do they want to hire me? Um, but I was like, and it, honestly, it, the other job offer that I had was for link testing. I, it was a team that I absolutely got along with great. Uh, everything that I did, I was like, this is a perfect fit. This is exactly what I want to do. Everything felt perfect. Uh, the only thing that didn't feel perfect is when I got the offer from the, for this training job. Uh, was there was about a 30% difference in salary. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, hold on. Um, I tried to go back to the recruiter for the other job and, and negotiate and be like, you know, I, I 
I can't, I really want to come work for you guys. It seems like the perfect fit, but I can't ignore, I'm trying to start a family. I'm trying to buy a house. You know, I'm not asking you to match, but you got to work with me. And, and unfortunately there was no room to work with me. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm taking, I'm accepting this training position. (laughs) So that's what I did. Um, I was actually spent the first year and a half basically updating uh, curriculum for uh, the Aegis Training Readiness Center down in Algren. Uh What we were doing was actually up, my experience was on a baseline, what's called baseline 5-3 ship, which um, uh, ruggedized, you know, military type equipment that's manufactured and produced by, you know, company. Uh, it's the computer itself is about as big as, you know, bigger than your head and you know, stands in a whole room and runs tape reels and all kinds of stuff, right? Like 1970s technology. But we were actually upgrading everything to this whole new thing where they were basically buying servers from Dell and, uh, you know, switches from Cisco and all this stuff and throwing all this into a ruggedized enclosure and calling it some mission critical enclosure. I'm like, what the hell is the mission critical enclosure, right? So I, I was so overwhelmed the first six months I was there because I, I thought to myself going in, I'm like, well, I was in the Navy for 10 years. I was on a Aegis ship for five years. I was the expert on my ship. I should be able to go in here and just be a badass, be the man, right? Everybody wants to come and, and you know, get answers from me. Holy crap, that was humbling. The first six months, I was trying to figure out what language people were speaking. <laughs> uh, not only because of the difference in the technology, but also because of the fact that I was working for a systems engineering company, and I didn't understand the engineering language that was associated with that. So I remember thinking to myself this whole time, I'm like, well, if I'm this overwhelmed, right? I don't understand how they can bring these kids out of college uh, from an engineering school and actually throw them into this role uh, to be an engineer for, we'll say, the spy radar system. Like, how do you do that? So I'd be asking around and basically what it turned into, you know, a lot of people were like, well, uh, they hand me the specification and say, here, go read it and good luck, sink or swim, right? (laughs) And it's like, I don't know if you've ever read a specification in your life, but oh my God, that is not something, a way to learn how to do, how to do something. I I do remember um, having to learn Hughes logic. Like a lot of the equipment that that I worked on was made by Hughes aircraft. And I, I couldn't tell you, I could like, even right after I learned it, I was sitting there like, yeah, I, I still don't know what's going on. Right, <laughs> I do like, right. okay, I should have this reading at this point. Okay, I don't have that. Okay, that's yeah. bad. <laughs> but, right. Yeah, I, I kind of know. But there's, it's, you kind of lose the why, the big picture, the context of like, well, what the hell am I reading and what's the point of it and how do I fit into this? So anyway, I, I guess I get on, I'm, maybe I'm getting a little off topic here, but I'm. it was one of those things where I really got a passion for training because I'm like, uh, I had to figure out all of this stuff and I didn't really have, it wasn't like, Hey, Sean, let's send you to the school and you can learn how to do this. It was like, well, uh, here you go, figure it out, right. Sink or swim after that year and a half, right. Learning the language and learning that experience. Um, it was an interesting thing happened where, 
um, basically the, I would be in, I was in a training group, uh, the training lead for the littoral combat ship program, which was a new program uh, where we were going to be building new ships for the Navy. Uh, she had a master's degree in education and she was the training lead, uh, but she had actually secretly been dating one of the guys in our department for about a year and a half. And they decided that they wanted to make it official. So they went and got married and came in and HR was like, oh, hell no. Uh, you got to go, right? You can't, we can't have you both here. So she took another job. She turned it over to another person who was a great, um, what we call an engineering planner. Um, basically an engineering planner, think of it as like somebody who's very organized, uh, like a really good project manager, but not an engineer per se by trade. And she had no military background or no, you know, training, education, experience, whatever. So she basically got the, I had it, you got it, turnover. Here's all my files. Good luck. Um, she spent the next four weeks digging into all these files and trying to figure out, well, what is it I'm responsible for? And I remember she came to me one day and she realized, she's like, Sean, I just realized what I'm up against and I don't want to be around for it. The next week she had a new job. So program management uh, basically is furious at this point because they've had um, in a two year period, I guess they'd had three people turn over in this role. And they basically tell, they bring my, both of my managers up to the office and they're just laying into them. They're like, you know, we're basically going to take this work away from you guys. Uh, we're going to send all the work down to this other team down in Florida who can do it and probably do it better than you can. Like, no, no, don't do that. You know, we can do the job. Uh, and they're like, well, okay, so you say you can do the job, but who do you have to do the job? And by the way, don't bring us somebody unless you're going to, they are going to see this thing through to completion. We're tired of, tired of all this turnover. My managers basically come back down and they go to the next logical choice of, um, a gentleman who also was former Navy, um, had been with Lockheed for several years and was probably the best fit for the, was definitely no doubt about it in my mind, the most qualified to take this job. And they asked him and, <laughs> uh, pretty much what I found out was that he basically said, well, what you're asking me to do is not in my job description. So I'm not interested. <laughs> So they came to me, uh, young, dumb, and naive, and said, hey, Sean, we understand that you're kind of a motivated guy. And what do you think about being the training lead for the LCS program? And I said, well, actually, I have two questions for you. I said, okay, what's that? So the first question is, what the hell is LCS? <laughs> I'm an Aegis guy. I'm like, I don't what is this thing, right? So they explain it to me. I'm like, okay. I said, so next question. What is exactly is it that you're being expected of me as far as the roles and responsibilities for this job? And they actually went through and explained to me, you know, all it entailed. And it's funny looking at it, you know, hindsight 2020, what they told me. If uh, 100% of the job is what I ended up doing, uh, they told me about 20% of what I was, what they thought, you know, that hundred percent was, they, they only told me 20%. And 
And even that 20% that they told me, I was like, so based on what you just told me, I'm going to be brutally honest with you here, right? Because I don't sugarcoat things. I'm, I'm like, I am not qualified for this job. I was like, I understand that you're in a bind and program management's upset and they want to see somebody see this thing through to completion. I said, so if you need somebody to step up to the plate and, you know, give it their best damn shot, I'm your man. I was like, however, I have one condition and I need you to answer this question. They're like, well, what is it? If I go down in flames, are you prepared? Are you two prepared to go down with me? Actually, I said, are you two assholes prepared to come down with me? Yeah, I like it. <laughs> and they said, thumbs up. Yep, we're good. So that's how I became the training lead for the program. Uh, and uh, totally unexpected, totally unprepared for it. I, it turned out where I was responsible for everything from uh, essentially the curriculum development to the instructional system design to the project management to uh, cost account manager. So budget, you know, all the financial management. Uh, I even had to play a role in, in IRAD or independent research and development, uh, business development, mini program management. I was the direct interface with the customer, a whole nine yards. Like, And I had no exposure. I had no experience with any of this stuff. So I had to learn all of this on the fly. Um, and I'll tell you, to be honest, the only reason that I was successful or I survived, quite honestly, the only reason I survived long enough to get some more training to be able to really do the job effectively was because I knew that I was in over my head and I went to everybody that I could find who worked on the program and I asked them a million questions. I'm like, who are you? What do you do? How do you do it? What is your process? Where is that documented? Uh, what products do you actually develop? Uh, how, how can I benefit from what you do? Mm -hmm. And based on that, I kind of got a reputation on the program of like being like this guy who's, you know, knows who to go to for what and when and how and all this stuff. And a lot of them really did a lot of great mentoring with me to tell me like, Hey, Sean, we think you should probably be doing these things. Right. So I had a lot of help to try and figure out how to do my job effectively. There was a lot of mistakes, a lot of things that I didn't do well in the beginning. And I had to learn over time just on the fly. Um, I think it was actually two years after I started doing the job that they finally sent me to uh, school. It's actually a really good school if anybody's interested. Uh, it's a company called PCI Global, and it's kind of cool because it's like a video game-based thing. They teach you the fundamentals of project management, and then you have to actually apply this to running a project. And they put it, you put all these things into a simulator. It runs it, shows you how your performance is, and then you have to go back in and adjust and you know, do this throughout the thing. So it was pretty cool. Nice. So it sounds like you basically got promoted from like E6 to O6. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, um, that's, I couldn't, yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me because I know that's kind of like the attitude that a lot of us had, you know, in the middle. So, yeah, whatever. We'll just figure out how to get it done. Right. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I guess uh, you, you, you probably don't see that a lot from 
you know, your counterparts that, that didn't have prior military experience, do you? No, like I said, I, I've definitely seen a lot of people who are, I guess, more reserved and intimidated, like, this is not part of my job description. So um, I'm not doing that. Uh, if you want me to do that, maybe they are interested, but they want a promotion first before they start doing it. Whereas I was young, dumb and naive. And I'm like, whatever, I'll do whatever you want. Just give me a shot. And if I fail, you're coming down with me. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. Yeah. No, I mean, that's cool. As you were talking about that, I was thinking, you know, about times in my career where, you know, maybe I, I took on things that, you know, probably, you know, I didn't really, wasn't ready to take on, but I did it anyways and, and came out the other side. I guess that's just kind of something that a lot of us, you know, get built into us. Or, you know, you have somebody like pushing you to do it. Like, I don't want to do it. And you're like, you're going to do it. So go figure right. it out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess that was the one thing that was, that was good is that, you know, uh, I mean, I did volunteer for it. I, I didn't know. I, I was somewhat naive and unknowing what I was getting myself into. Um, but I'd never turned down a challenge before and I wasn't about to there. <laughs> and I, I think the one thing that I learned from that experience was that, you know, I actually had peers uh, and leaders and even, you know, people that that worked eventually ended up working for me uh, come to me and say, Sean, we can't believe what you did where we like we thought for sure you were bound to fail like you were destined to fail. Like no one there was actually people on the program that told me like we didn't want to we actually considered uh, they actually considered taking applying for that job. But they were like, we don't want to touch that thing with a 10 foot pole because it was like they knew all the issues and challenges that we were going to be faced by it. So fortune favors uh, the bold. Yes. Uh, so and I'm not going to say it was easy. It was hard. Like there were times I put in a lot of hours, a lot of hours on my own time trying to learn so that I could be effective. And on honestly, in some regards, it probably affected my personal life and my marriage and stuff like that. But I was so committed to, I was passionate about basically being successful, not only because I wanted to be successful, but because the training that this crew was going to receive, you know, I was responsible for designing the entire training program to make sure everyone on the ship could learn how to operate and maintain everything on the ship. So it wasn't like like my forte was combat systems. Well, they're like, no, not just combat systems. You got to train everything like engineering plant, the auxiliaries, the propulsion, the, you know, deck systems, like the whole nine yards. I'm like, whoa, what? (laughs) But I worked with my customer and tried to understand their problems, their challenges. And, you know, uh, I was able to kind of use some of my background and, um, you know, what I learned in the military and, and things like that. And through some mentoring, um, was able to apply that, um, to kind of actually not only performing, but actually exceeding our expectations. So I grew it, uh, when I first started, it was, uh, one contract for the first ship. Uh, I was a one man team. I actually had a helper when I needed it, but that was about it. Uh, over a 10 year period, it turned, it went from that to uh, basically 15 contracts, like over 
over 35 control accounts, 55 work packages, a budget of $55 million, a 12-man team of curriculum developers, instructional designers, uh, project managers, financial people to help me out, uh, 35 subcontractors. I mean, it, it was a lot. And on top of that, that was just my core job. Like I, I ended up where because of, I knew that what we had under contract was just the minimum requirement that they needed to you know, operate and maintain the ship. I'm like, I knew that wasn't good enough. And I'm like, well, I need better for my, my sailors, right? And I still have this kinship to make sure they get what they need. So I did a lot of business development and independent research and development stuff, coming up with concepts of like, how do we solve this problem? I go figure, define the problem, uh, talk with the engineers and figure out like, how can we address this problem? Engineer kind of a notional solution go to the customer, get their buy-in. And ultimately that turned into, um, I probably shouldn't throw out numbers, but I threw, it ended up where um, a, a substantial amount of additional contracts for Lockheed that was never intended to be put out in the first place. Uh, we'll put it this way. I, I, whatever my, they were, they were actually rewarded me fairly well, you know, from the time I started to the time I finished, they, I doubled my salary and everything, but um, I also made them literally uh, whatever my salary was times a million. Uh, that's how much I made them over the years. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's awesome. That's something else. A lot of, um, people don't understand too. Like when you get out, we talk about salary negotiations and, you know, I've talked to several people. They're like, you know what? I took like a salary. It, it probably wasn't what I, what I should have gone for, but they were like, you know, I got into this company and within three years or within the first year, I got promoted three times and I'm making twice as much now as I was, you know, when I started. So I was just thinking though, as you were telling the story, I was like, you know what the perfect ending to this would have been? Is if that that young Jo that that you know <laughs> that you were talking about the first time gets out and goes and gets a job for Lockheed Martin and he walks into his off his boss's his new boss's office and it's you and you just look at him and say, "Go get me a pen." Oh, oh. <laughs> wait, wait! I got I actually have one. You just reminded me of of something else that happened. So. Um, the, my last ship while I was in was the USS Boxer. Um, it was the hardest two years of my entire Navy career uh, due to the operational tempo, right? They were deployed all the time. Uh, and long story, I won't go into long story short, basically two weeks after I got there, they threw me in to be the LPO. Um, and the crew had been so ridden hard and, you know, hung out to dry that they were just, their motivation was sapped. Their initiative was sapped. Their desire to do training was even sapped. They were just like, they were done. And I was like, oh God, I have to be in charge of this group. Right. Um, so I did what I could, but one of the things that happened, we go over to Iraq, we drop all the supplies and Marines and everything off over there. 
And I'm like, okay, good. You know, on the way back, this is going to be a nice, easy, easy cruise. We don't have to go, you know, it'll be nice, easy, easy peasy on the way back. Not quite. They decided that it was good for us to go through and do our entire training and certification cycle on the way back. So they brought a float training group on, on the way back. And I, as the combat systems training team lead and everything, right. I'm like doing running the exercises and everything. So they're evaluating our ability to you know, do training. And one of the leads, uh, a chief for ATG and operation OS, uh, OSC, um, basically he came in and he just ripped me to shreds probably deservedly so because my team wasn't performing well. And I tried to tell him, I'm like, look, if you have suggestions on how I can get more initiative or like more motivation out of these people, I'm all ears because I'm struggling. I'm trying everything I can think of. And I'm just struggling. And he's like, you're not doing your job. Okay. Interestingly enough, like we get back to port few months later he actually ends up being assigned as our chief uh one of the new chiefs on board you know he's not my chief and he's still laying into me giving me a hard time like you're doing all this wrong os1 you're doing all this wrong like we need to be better like okay well a few a few months goes by and he finally comes to me one day and he's like you know us one he's like i apologize he's like i i i didn't understand what he, he's like i didn't understand what you're up against I see it now and you, you were right. I was like, okay, well, thanks. I guess flash yeah. forward. Uh, let's see. Eight years after eight years later, uh, after I'm, you know, kind of established myself as the training lead and my team's growing and my scope is growing and everything. And I'm, I'm actually doing interviews to hire people to be an instructor, uh, and team member and basically doing an interview with somebody who looks like they were potentially a good fit. Uh, I met him at, you know, like um, one of the restaurants or whatever locally to do the interview. And I walk in and I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, this guy's name sounds really familiar to me for whatever reason. And I walk in, I'll never believe it. I was like, as soon as I saw his face, I was like, oh my God. It was my, it was the ATG chief, my chief, who was interviewing with me for the job that, you know, he was like, oh, it's one, you don't know what you're doing, right? So, oh, actually, he, he, was, he had told me before I got out, he was like, he was mad that I was getting out. So he told me, he's like, you're making a mistake. You're not going to be successful. You know, you're all this stuff. So it was sort of like sweet revenge. I'm like, so you want a job with me? <laughs> hmm. Oh, how the turntables. Right. So, <laughs> This is actually one thing I, I guess I can totally recommend to people is I, 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 tr I do a lot of mentoring with transitioning service members and veterans. And if anybody wants my help, I'm on Veterati. Veterati is a great program. Yeah, I definitely um, wanted to hit on that before we got off here because I'm, I'm a mentor on there too. So, Okay. Uh, Veterati. And oh, by the way, Vets to Industry. I'm also a volunteer for Vets to Industry best uh mission out there uh to be the no uh basically be the focal point to there's over forty thousand veteran service organizations out there like how do you know where to go to for what to whom 
That is the mission of V2I, that's the industry. Be the one-stop shop to point you to all the resources that are out there. Well, I'll tell you what, because, you know, I know we were talking before, before we hopped on here and I know you're excited and we're, we're glad that you came on here and chatted with us, but maybe, maybe it makes sense to maybe in a month from now, you have you come back on and talk about, we talk about Veterati and Vesta industry. Cause those are, those are two big things that we've uh, organizations that, that I've known about. And I, I think Mike, you were talking about Vesta industry before. And I think that's something that probably merits its own episode. I'd, I'd be more than happy. I'd love to come sing their praise. I mean, um, uh, so I guess the whole reason I brought them up in the first place was I do a lot of this mentoring. And the one thing that I always tell people uh, in my mentoring sessions is basically as soon as you take that uniform off, all your rank, all your privilege, all your credibility, all that stuff that you are so impressed with yourself about, it all comes off with the uniform. Uh and don't so don't walk into a place uh, thinking you're hot shit and you're gonna you run the place. Oh hell no! Uh, you gotta basically start from square one and reestablish your earn your credibility. So uh, pretty much what it came down to, I, I always tell people stay humble and hungry, right? Humble and hungry. So somebody told me this once. I thought it was hilarious. So I'll say it on here now. It's like when you retire, you go from hot shit to not shit. Yes, <laughs> that's that's awesome. Well, you you bring up a great point. I mean, and I said this on here before. You know, w- when we PCS from point A to point B, or even when I went from you know one command on Little Creek to another command on Little Creek, the Navy is required to assign you a sponsor. Mm-hmm. But we fail, I think, as a military, as a whole, in the transition process, where I think we still need to have, there needs to be a sponsor on your way out, which is the, the value of the mentor, and to have that person to be able to sound things off of, to get advice, you need to have two, three, five, you need to have a bunch of them, like, you know, Trevor's uh, protege, Earl, I mean, that dude, he's like uh, a Super Bowl in a freaking phone booth. That guy bounces around Hampton Roads like nobody I've ever seen. I mean, that guy worked it. And he is a case study on how to get after the next step. Uh, And and so when you take, you know, when you look at what Earl did, getting all those mentors, leaning on them hard, you know, and, and really getting after it. And then you see. The, you know, you see the counter side where I see folks with uh, that are very overconfident, let's just say, on their next step. And they're like, yeah, I don't need you. I got this. I'm good to go. And then you watch them step outside the gate and fall flat on their face. Yeah. And then, they, you know, you see them like six months later and they're like, uh, hey, bro, uh, can, can, you, can you help me out? Uh, I don't know what happened. It's like, hey, man, we saw this shit coming. <laughs> you know a year ago man because you wouldn't right. listen to us you're too proud you know that humble be humble and hungry shit you know like you're, you guys are saying you know even even when you're the, the command master chief you still got to realize that that stuff is over bro uh and you need to realize that a year before you're even out you're just kind of written this in the meantime but you got to realize it's over you know actually it's interesting um i 
it's kind of, um, I guess, I feel like there's nothing more important uh, as part of your transition than getting uh, met, not a mentor, mentors, mm-hmm. right? And I say that plural, that's not a mistake. You want to have a diverse set of mentors to guide you and help you along the way. Uh, the process of transitioning is completely overwhelming. Uh, I mean, you have to worry about resumes, profiles, uh, networking, uh, interview skills, uh, job negotiations. And even when you're in the job, and even when you've had, uh, to this day, I, I have 17 years of experience in industry. I have a board of mentors that I actually rely on and I meet with on a regular basis that help me to learn and to grow and to help guide me in the next phase of my journey. So I, I cannot stress enough. It is the most important thing that you need to do is get mentors. Everything else is not as not, not really that important. Couldn't Um, agree more. I I actually, I mean, I, you know, a guy that, that kind of, I went and worked with when I first got out of the Navy, the guy's been doing working in the business for, you know, almost 20 years. And he still has a business coach that he goes to that, that, you know, he meets with all the time and, and kind of help. It's good just to get that other perspective, right? Because you yes. can't, yeah, you can't see the forest from the trees. Um, well, I literally 17 years of experience in industry. I've made a lot of mistakes. I, there's a lot of things I wish I had done differently if I had known guess what? If you come and talk to me, I can share my hard, my lessons learned with you. So you don't make those same mistakes. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's kind of like my passion project and Mike's too, with, with this is like, Hey, let's bring people on here and talk about all the, the things where people have screwed up along the way. And, and maybe it's, I'll tell you one of my, my happiest moments is like when I get messages on LinkedIn where people are like, Hey, yeah, I listen to your show. Uh, I like it. Um, you know, all 37 of them are like, Hey, <laughs> you know, but it, it's, it, you know, I don't care. Like when I hear somebody say like, Hey, I got something good out of that. Thank you for yeah. doing that. Um, that to me, that's, that's a lot of personal fulfillment there. Oh, and, absolutely. I definitely, uh, I, I, my biggest joy, I don't get paid for this. I don't, you know, I don't get any recognition for it. I don't want it. I don't need it. All right. The only reason I do this is for the, you know, uh, time when I get it, like I just recently got a post with somebody that I mentored and said, Hey, Sean, you know, thanks for your help. Uh, I, it took, it was the challenging, it took a while. Uh, and I, there was a period where I thought I was never going to make it. Uh, it took like six months and I felt, I felt like I was going to fail, but you picked me up and I thought I was, it was kind of like, uh, how should I say, he's like, it was, uh, like in ranger school or whatever, where, you know, somebody else picked me up and moved me forward. Um, and you know, thanks for your help. So you got a great job. It was, he's in love with it. And I'm like, there's nothing more rewarding than that to know you made a positive impact in somebody's life. So. Couldn't agree more. Sorry for the disturbance there. Right. Oh, it's okay. I had to go, uh, I had to throw a crock at my dog so she'd shut up. But you know, actually, I, I don't know if you're one of my mentors, actually, uh, this is something, 
I, I guess what I'll say is don't get a bunch of yes mentors. Get people who are going to give you honest and brutal feedback, right? Funny True. story. I, I had a call today with a guy from the, cause I do coaching through the honor foundation. Another guy who went through that, talked to him today who wants to work in financial services. And, you know, like typically people that do that, you have all these big companies that are like, Oh yeah, you'd be a great fit for this and blah, blah, blah. And I was telling him about all this stuff. I'm like, look, of course they're going to stroke your ego, maybe something else if you ask them to, but uh, you know, understand it's not really you that they're after. It's your network. It's the people right. that, you know, and so I kind of went in and told him like, yes, it's a great job. I love it. I've been doing it. I made it through the, you know, the three-year desert uh, um, where you don't make any money. And I'm getting to the point where it's like, yes, now I'm able to start making money off this. But, you know, I told him like, it's not always like that. And, and people were going to tell you it's, you'd be great at this and everything. Maybe you will, but you know, there's, there's a lot of other stuff that they don't talk about before. And at the end of the call, the guy was like, you know what, man, I really appreciate your candor. Um, he's like, I like that you use so many cuss words. Uh, actually that was just me projecting that on him, but <laughs> you know, the, the same thing, he just said, I, I like that. He's like, I've, I've, uh, talked to other people who, you know, didn't really cover some of the things that you did, uh, about, they, they only talk about the good stuff, not the bad. So. Yeah, actually one of my favorite mentors, I, matter of fact, I just had a mentoring call like at noon today, right before I met with you guys. And, uh, uh, he literally basically gave me, a, you know, I love how he gave me a punch to the gut and said, Sean, you're an idiot. Then this is what you're doing wrong. And I was like, Oh, you know what? You're right. <laughs> um, one of my mentors who I absolutely, I don't know if shameless plug here, but uh, it's so worth the read uh, to kind of prepare people for that transition. Um, uh, my, one of my mentors, his name is Justin Walker, and he actually wrote a book uh, I can recommend. It's There's No Way You Can Fuck This Up, Some Duct Tape and Motrin for Your Enlisted Military Transition. Oh, I've seen that before. I have to reach out to him and have him come on too. So yeah, it's awesome read. So nice. Well, I like the title. Yeah. Yeah. The, when I when I see that, that makes me think. You know what? Challenge accepted. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, I I hope I know you wanted to focus on project management. I hope I you know I know I was kind of a little all over the place, but if you want to talk more about it at some point, I'm more than happy to. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I will tell you is I know a lot of people put a lot of stock into, um, you know, education and certificates and all that sort of stuff. I will say um, when it comes to uh, PMI uh, and the PMP certification, absolutely 100% recommend it. Does that mean you can do the job effectively? No. Does it mean that um, you know, because you have a PMP certificate and I don't that I, you can do the job more better than I can. Hell no. <laughs> However, it is a well-respected certification that is in the industry. And I highly recommend that certification over any degree, any day of the week. It's one of those things where I actually have a lot of recommendations on, um, uh, some of my mentors gave me a lot of, uh, 
tips and tricks as far as studying because they're very particular on their language when you take the test. Um, so highly recommend reaching out to people to figure out the best way study habits for that if you want to go for it. Yeah, yeah. especially like you're in your realm in the defense industry, a lot of those defense contracts are written specifically as PMP required. You know, some of them will say recommended. When you look at a lot of these PDs on some of these job postings, you know, the, the PMP is recommended on some, they're required for some. But when you start getting into like the defense industry specifically, it will say PMP required. And that means you better show up day one with that cert in your hand. You know, a lot of times in the civilian side too, they'll say, well, as long as you get this within the first year, you're good to go. We're, we're glad to have you. But right. when you're looking at the defense sector, like where you're at, you better have it now or, or you're, you're not, you're, you're not playing. Right. So, uh, yeah. I don't have mine by the way. So I'm a prime example. It doesn't mean you can't do the job. It just means that, you know, you got a piece of paper that says you, you achieved, uh, some company you paid them and they said, you're, you know how to do project management. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think when, because I've been looking, we've had folks with the Honor Foundation come on and they've talked about it, you know, they, they're even like, you know what, you, you guys are solid, you know, leadership is what we're looking for. And like in your case, um, but, but they weren't even on, they weren't really looking for defense side folks, they were looking for, for other side. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think when you, you really have to pay, folks really have to pay attention to the position description when it says required or mm-hmm. you know um experience or experience yeah. level yeah preferred here. yeah you got required preferred you yeah. know uh there, there's when you start looking at some of these contracts and the way they're written uh you can exclude yourself immediately by not having it if that's what you're really looking for right and you know say like you were talking about the certification yeah i was thinking about that too like for uh, you said hey just because you're you have the PMP certification. That doesn't mean you can go in and do it eff- effectively, like right off the bat, right? There's still a lot of learning. Just like like we say at an EOD school all the time. I'm like, hey, dude, you graduating EOD school doesn't really mean shit. That just means now you can be trained as an EOD tech. That's where a lot of the real and the the harder training begins is after you finish the basic requirements for it. So your license to learn. Well, you know, interestingly enough, the um, if you go back full circle, the guy I interviewed with, the doctor of education with all the 30 years of experience, professor, all that sort of stuff, uh, within three years of me taking on this job, um, he was still my manager, uh, but he, from a operational perspective, he reported to me. Uh, because when it came down to it, I learned everything I knew about training from him, the educational theory, all that stuff. He was great. I learned everything I know about it from him. But when it came to actually applying that to doing the job, um, he wasn't able to do that effectively. I was. Yeah. It's, it, it's funny how things shake out, right? You, you just never know. But Sean, what's as far as uh, anything that you had around your military transition, if you could any experience or wisdom you want to pass along, what would it be? Well, uh, definitely one, get a mentor. 
men, not actually get mentors, right? Number one, get mentors. Number two, humble and hungry. And number three, the hardest and most challenging thing of my entire uh, transition experience, uh, transition from the military to the civilian world, was figuring out what the hell to wear every day. I shit you not. Uh, I, I had, I mean, maybe it's not as big a deal for some people, but I had, I was a farm boy. I had no fashion sense whatsoever. So like there's something so valuable in knowing the uniform of the day, you know, what to wear, when to wear it, how to wear it, what it's supposed to look like, all those things. Like all of a sudden it was like, well, nobody's telling me what to wear today. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Solid advice. Yeah. I, yeah. Same thing. I knew what I had to wear. I just didn't want to wear it. I, <laughs> Sean, uh, it could be overwhelming. Like, yeah, if you're not ready for it, make sure there's actually a, a you can get a free suit as a transitioning uh, veteran or a service member. Uh, there's actually some really great companies out there that cater vet- to veterans, like suit, uh, salute to suit. And there's also, um, uh, uh, you know, start preparing not only suit to have a nice looking suit for your interview, but uh, you also want to start getting business casual clothes so that you're ready when the time comes and you're not like, oh crap. Yeah, I actually uh, had a few old suits that I had sent um, a guy who runs another uh, military transition podcast, uh, Rob Renz. He's a former Marine, works, he's down in Wilmington. And that he was, he put a word out on LinkedIn, like, Hey, if you have old suits that you'd like to donate, you know, send them my way. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, okay. I got, I, I wear, I PT. actually have some, yeah. If, uh, <laughs> yeah. I wear PT. I, I day, so. to donate some. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll send you an intro. Okay. So cool. Well, Sean, we appreciate you coming on and chatting and uh, we'll look forward to having you back here uh, in a little bit to talk about more about Veterati and Vets to Industry. Awesome. Love it. Can't wait. Thank you All guys right. so much. Take Thanks care, man. Thanks for coming on, Sean. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Get to Vet podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. If you'd like to come on the show, email us at Mike or Trevor at gettovet.net. That's get, the number two, vet.net, and let us help you get to vet.